and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chat Up Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Welcome to another podcast series for Cornie and Lynn's Legal Chatter. My name is Heilala Tambete. I'm a director here at Cornie and Lynn. And I'm joined today by uh, uh, Ashley Craig, who's one of our senior litigation lawyers here at the firm. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, Heilala. Oh, that's good. And look, just for our listeners out there, even though it is COVID, we're actually recording this in two separate offices, still maintaining social distancing. But, um, you know, in spite of the social distancing requirements, uh, you know, it doesn't prevent us from actually talking with each, each other about, you know, pertinent issues that matter, especially in this COVID season um, and what uh, society is coming to terms with, uh, with the new norm. Isn't that right, Ashley? Yeah, that's correct. I think, um, particularly at the moment, an issue that continues to demand leadership and attention is the relationship of the employer and employee, you know, teacher, student, pastor Mm. um, and congregation. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if anything, uh, even though COVID in its season has uh, placed us under restrictions, uh, whether we're in the workplace or in school or even in community gatherings, because some restrictions are lifting, depending on which state you're in. I feel sorry for the guys down in Victoria at the moment. <laughs> um, but, you know, even though some of the restrictions are lifting and they've increased the numbers that can gather, um, you know, there, there's still some new social norms that need to be observed. And, you know, in doing so, uh, at a distance, uh, professional standards still need to be maintained. W- wouldn't you agree? I definitely agree. I think a recent case um, has highlighted this more than ever. Mm. Uh, so there was an employer and employee. This employer was a um, a lawyer. Uh, oh, wow. A small uh, regional firm mm-hmm. and the employee was a paralegal. Okay. There was actually instances of the employer sexually harassing the employee. Okay. Uh, and so the court, uh, the full federal court, um, emphatically dismissed the lawyer's appeal and found that it um, actually awarded the highest level of damages. Oh um, wow! Um, and so Ashley, how did how did that occur? What did um, what did the lawyer actually uh, do? Not to get into the nitty gritty, but just you know, I, I'm taking that this was was pre-COVID, but uh, given that he's a lawyer and she's a, a paralegal, the, there is certain levels of of trust being breached even in that. Yeah. So um, the employer actually was sending um, emails professing his love. Uh, to her and proposing a romantic relationship. Right. Work trip, he entered uh, the employee's room and was waiting with her on her mattress wearing very, very minimal clothing. Oh, dear. And actually wouldn't leave the room until she agreed to hug him. Um, And, you know, was waiting for her in her room while she was showering and she wasn't to know this and so only came out in a towel. Mm. Um, 
and even got to the point where he threatened her um, and said that, you know, I'm trying my best to train you and and reassured her that he would train her so long as she didn't make a complaint or sue him. Oh, wow. So actually holding the threat of, uh, of training her to be a lawyer, um, holding that over her so that he could make such advances. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And so the court really um, looked very disfavourably on mm. the employer and awarded $120,000 in damages and $50,000 um, in aggravated damages. And Justice Perham actually said that had when this went to appeal, had she been the initial judge that heard it, she he would have um, awarded more. Uh, in the way of damages, aggravated damages. Why on earth would he appeal it? I mean, especially in this day and age where, you know, there's so much education and awareness on sexual harassment and on, you know, concealing these type of actions within a, a workplace setting. How on earth did he appeal it? How, how did he think he was going to get away with it? <laughs> so he um, made the argument that his actions were not of a sexual nature. And he actually compared himself to Mr. Darcy from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like argued, Mr. Darcy, but I don't know how this would go down. Go on. <laughs> yeah, well, he argued that um, that all was done, that all he was doing was making expressions of love and affection to pursue a romantic relationship. Oh, and wow. Um, yeah, he argued that his conduct was not of a sexual nature. And Justice um, Perham said that he must be delusional um, and said that the facts of this case are as bad as far from a Jane Austen novel mm. as possible to be. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know, the court would have, surely considered, you know, because of the disparity between the two of them, that, you know, the, the level as to which he was in, he was a trainer, she was a paralegal, um, you know, there would have been psychological effects of this. Is is that right? Is yeah. that a statement to make? Yeah. So the court recognised the severe psychological consequences that the employer had on the employee. Mm. And so uh, they also um, said that now that that's a new level for them in awarding damages, um, mm. that they're not going to be perceived as something inferior in common law, mm. but in fact that um, that damages in sexual assault cases will be, you know, equal to that in other common law sort of situations. And so uh, I guess going from there, um, Justice Perham also said that, um, particularly as a member of the legal profession, that he held a position of, you know, uh, status and privilege in society. Mm. And as such, the abuse of such power will be um, met with an award of damages, which is reflective of that. So where a person does hold, you know, a position or privilege in society, the court isn't going to shy away from awarding a high level of damages where they've behaved badly, um, mm. to say the least. Uh, and so it was quite a stern and blunt reminder to employers that sexual harassment, which happens under the watch um, 
of the courts will carry serious financial exposure. Mm. And not only financial exposure, but it will impact the employer's brand and workplace culture. Mm. No, that's that's uh, very true. So, you know, Ashley, I mean, you give advice in relation to uh, employment law on a regular basis. I mean, if you were to say, you know, uh, lend some tips, especially for leadership or um, uh, people, uh, you know, employers who are in position of authority uh, and have much trust placed in them, you know, what sort of um, tips would you give them in terms of looking within their structure of what they could do better uh, to safeguard uh, or prevent these sorts of things from happening? An employer can limit their exposure in this respect by firstly having in place workplace behaviour policies and training. But having this um, at a minimum, the court is starting to view it as insufficient and it needs to go further than that where, in fact, um, leadership is targeted with such training and leadership are modelling um, such behaviour that is accepted. Because, you know, the fish um, head, it stinks at the top and <laughs> flows downwards, basically. So That's a very gruesome analogy, but you're right, <laughs> the meaning. <laughs> um, so I guess guess from that, you, you really need to address issues at the top. Mm. Um, and so as well as that, highlighting bystander um, behaviour isn't accepted either. So mm. where... Uh, someone may be suffering from such conduct or a victim of such conduct, that employees and colleagues feel comfortable to raise um, such behaviour. Mm. And I, I guess I come back to that idea of what you reap, you sow. So you would hope that if you yourself were in such instance that a colleague of yours would be forthcoming and want to help in such circumstances rather than shying away, um, you know, as a bystander. Mm. And, you know, and, and we do see that from time to time uh, where we're sought upon for assistance because um, it could have been prevented, but those colleagues, uh, work colleagues, fail to speak up at the appropriate time because, you know, they're, they're either scared or it's a, a matter of self-preservation, especially if in a workplace there exists a, a bully who uh, who does these sorts of actions and then it just becomes like a cultural norm. And that all adds to, you know, workplace and environment toxicity. So, um, yeah, um, there, there needs to be more awareness and education in and around uh, bystander uh, support that, yeah, just needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think to increasing like corporate governance reporting mechanisms can help with that. Um, where if you have an anonymous uh, mechanism to report, that can relieve some of the angst that a bystander may feel. Mm, and that's usually developed within HR, isn't it? Yeah. And so if in the event you are the victim of such um, conduct, I would stress um, once Firstly, if you are in a large enough um, employment setting to reach out to HR mm. and to make them aware of the conduct. Mm. If you are, you know, working from home and receiving emails or calls, to make file notes of those calls, to send that to HR 
and to send copies of those emails to HR to, to make them aware of what's going on and to do it early on where you think conduct mightn't be bordering on um, inappropriate to include them in those conversations so that they're aware if it does escalate and it's not just a surprise to them. Um, as well, I think it's important to seek professional help and support. Um, given that in COVID we're often, well, we have a lot been in isolation, uh, there are many organisations that uh, we can reach out to for help, um, mm -hmm. someone to talk to, whether it's a prayer line or Beyond Blue um, or a similar organisation. And if you don't feel comfortable going to such organisations, then simply telling a friend or a family member yeah, as right. things help, are happening um, helps you personally, but also is someone that can verify what's going on um, mm. down the track if it does eventuate that an action needs to be brought. Yeah. Well, that's great, Ashley. Um, thank you so much for that and uh, for giving up some of your time to uh, speak with me today on um, Legal Chatter. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, what we've touched on today uh, is still an issue uh, that we see continuously. And I think that some of your practical tips will definitely help some of our listeners out there uh, who tune in on the regular. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, we look forward to everybody tuning in next time. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 0732520011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.